Welcome to Mums on Cloud9. I'm Heather Black, a champion for women in tech and founder of Supermums, a global brand supporting mums to develop a career in the Salesforce ecosystem. My podcast aims to inspire and support mums to develop a flexible, well-paid, successful career in the tech sector. On the show, we share top tips, insight and inspirational stories from women who've carved out a great career in the sector, as well as talk to experts and employers who champion diversity and gender equality. During Series 4, we're teaching women how to stand out in the crowd, whether it's to boost their earning potential, achieve career progression or shine the light for other women to follow. This week, I'm super excited to speak to Ben Duncan, Director of Talent Hub, and we're talking about how to stand out to recruiters to successfully land your job. Ben founded a Salesforce recruitment agency in Australia and also runs his own podcast show, Talent Hub Talk, which I've had the pleasure of being a guest on. So thank you, Ben, for having me on your show as well. Um, Ben, welcome to the show. Please do introduce yourself to everyone. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, and it's interesting to be on the other side of the table today. So yeah, thanks for being on our podcast as well. So yeah, as, as you said, um, I'm the director of Talent Hub. We are a Salesforce recruitment business. We're based out of Sydney in Australia. Uh, I'm originally from the UK, but uh, I, I've been recruiting in, in Sydney now for 10 years. And six of those have been exclusively in the Salesforce world. So I, I'd like to think I have a good grasp of the market and uh, and the ins and outs of the Salesforce recruitment world. Awesome. Looking forward to getting all your pills of wisdom today for everybody. <laughs> so, I know. So we've got lots of different things to look at, lots of different perspectives of how you can stand out in the crowd and kind of get that job or be found and look like a great candidate. And we were just really chatting before we started the show, like, well, you know, what makes somebody a good candidate? How do you kind of convince a recruiter or an employer? You know, you've got all the credentials. But let's start with job search strategies. As a candidate, where would you search for jobs? So um, I think the uh, misconception in the market is that, you know, every job goes on a job board. And I, I'm proof that that isn't, isn't true. Like we very, very, very rarely advertise a job on a job board. Um, in fact, I, I advertised for the first time a week ago um, since I've started Talent Hub back in 2015. So one advert in all of that time. So I think a job search strategy definitely isn't just applying for jobs on job boards. And I think that's something people need to get their head around. And I think maybe historically that was a way to find a job. And still, you can find jobs on job boards, but that isn't a strategy in itself. That's just part of the strategy. So I think it's about being visible everywhere and um, and and being authentic and getting your own personal brand across. And listeners have probably heard all about personal brands and um, and it's a know a big topic and it's been a big topic for a number of years now but but in my experience the best way to 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 build your your brand is by being visible on things like linkedin and and having um you know an opinion on things and creating a story about your, yourself and, and and your successes or your journey so far and and that really ties into a job search because what you want to do is position yourself as someone that wants should be hired and someone that companies want to hire um, and if you're just applying for job boards or job adverts, then then that's very reactive. Um, and by creating a personal brand and, and positioning yourself in the market, you'll get a lot more inbound uh, connections, a lot more inbound opportunities, perhaps. And um, and ultimately, I think that's the, the the best way to start a job search and a job search strategy. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, <clears throat> from a recruitment point of view, a lot of the time, you know, there isn't enough people applying for the roles unless we're the right people. So recruiters have to go out there and headhunt and identify people. So you're right, if they've got a voice on LinkedIn and you see them, then you're more likely to go, oh, hey, who are you? You know, what do you want to do? And the other thing that I've kind of in- encouraged people to do is, as you say, 
jobs aren't always advertised on those sites that maybe you're looking at. So actually writing to companies that you like the sound of, that really, you know, for me as an employer, that's amazing because I think all oh, the research me, they've got a really personalized cover letter. You know, that's a great way as well, isn't it? To kind of, you know, get yourself out there and, and look at companies' websites directly. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think the, um, like, the, there's no one strategy that works for everyone. Um, I think like everyone has to be aware and conscious of their situation and where they kind of fit into the ecosystem. So a Salesforce certified technical architect probably doesn't have to have as strong a personal brand and as active a personal brand on LinkedIn as a a new entrant to the Salesforce ecosystem, because as soon as a CTA makes anyone aware that they're looking for a job, they're going to have opportunities. Mm. Um, But when you're starting out and carving your way through the ecosystem, you don't have the, the the luxury of having you know lots of people wanting to hire you immediately. And it's about making, I guess, building that brand to the point where people are starting to recognize you and, and people are starting to reach out to you and thinking of you when they do have a requirement. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the key behind it, right? It's, um, it's about um, creating this magnet of opportunity rather than just always being reactive and, and giving yourself one chance of, apply, of of getting a job by applying for one particular role. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And so let's talk a little bit more about how how do recruiters work? Like, how do you how would you make your profile stand out to recruiters? So I, I guess again, every recruiter works differently. And for me, I, I I immediately go to the people that I think of and know. So if I have a role, if a developer role comes up, I instantly have people that come to mind for that role, and it could be based off recent discussions. It could be based off of a. a a post I've seen someone put up on LinkedIn talking about something they've done recently. Um, and then obviously I'll use my, my own database. So I use Salesforce to, to, to track uh, conversations with people. But for me, um, I'm judged on my ability to find the right person in the quickest amount of time by my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I typically go to the people that I think are right from, from memory um, that, that I've had conversations with recently. And, and that doesn't necessarily always have to be the most experienced pe- person um, it's the person that left the the biggest impact or biggest made the biggest impression to me recently. And, and again, that could be, it doesn't even have to be a phone conversation I've had with someone. It could just be something I've read online that they've created. There was one example not at the beginning of COVID where a gentleman um, created uh, a lightning component that tracked COVID cases, or it, I don't, it could have been a web component back then, I guess, but it was tracking COVID cases and it was um, it was showing you where there were spikes and and where where things were going up and where they were going down. And I hadn't spoken to him in, in a long time. And then I got a requirement from my client for a developer the same day. And the first person that came to my mind was the guy I'd seen put something on LinkedIn about a web component he'd built in his spare time. You know, if he hadn't have done that, would I have contacted him? I would have reached out in some way, shape or form through Salesforce and through my marketing automation and, and reach out. But he was the first person that came to mind just because he'd created some content that that talked about his experience and and what he can do um so yeah i think that's that's really important recruiters want to get to people quick and um get to good people and and be able to you know present people back to their client quickly and uh and i think that that's why um yeah it goes back to having a personal brand and, and being seen and visible mm, that's really interesting isn't it you're right you know if you think about it like yeah, everyday recruiters are getting candidates coming through with different levels and, you know, they'll have a database of so many people. And, you know, I suppose as a candidate, you think, oh, well, of course they'll have me in your their mind and of course they'll consider me for every role. But how can a candidate 
better use a recruiter? Like what, what should a candidate expect and how can they get the most out of that relationship to make sure they are front of mind for any job role that's coming up? I think um, the, the the key for me is is honesty and transparency. Like I always value a relationship with someone that's honest and, and transparent. And, and by transparent, I don't mean, um, you know, I, I don't expect a candidate to tell me everything that they've got going on in their job search in terms of like who they're interviewing with and things like that. I think you know, that's, that's, um, that's not what I'm looking for from transparency, but I'm looking for, you know, a, a candidate to tell me honestly if they are at final stages with another interview or if they've had an interview with my client or, or uh, if they don't like a role I present to them, tell me why they don't like it. You know, give me some feedback and give me something to work with. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's really easy to say to a recruiter, I'm not interested or that role isn't good for me or but but give me something to work with so that when when you are looking, I, I can come back with the right role or or. Yeah, I think it's just about you know being being human as well. I, I have a job to do. I have targets to hit, and I want to deliver a good service on both sides. And I think that the easier it is to work with someone, the easier it is it is for me to do my job and, and to do my job effectively. Yeah, I, I just value just honesty, transparency, and and even if honesty is saying, look, I don't have a lot of experience, but this is what I'm doing to to gain that experience. This is where I think I can add value to your client, and really presenting that to the recruiter. Because a lot of recruiters that that people will work with don't understand Salesforce. Um, they don't understand the ins and outs. So it's really important that someone can clearly articulate their strengths and um, and and be honest about their strengths. So it makes that recruiter's job a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really good tips. I absolutely concur. You know, having run through Supermums and we run the recruitment agency in the UK. You know, we. We see that, like, you know, we need to know, particularly if like women are asking for flexibility and, you know, we need to know what flexibility means really clearly because what we don't want to do is waste the time, their time or the employer's time, put it in position for a role when actually, you know, a certain level of flexibility is a criteria. And it's interesting because um, we do also advocate that, you know, sell yourself to the employer first and then discuss flexibility because they might be more open to that. But if uh, an employer is like quite adamant that they need somebody in the office five days a week and obviously the candidate is not going to be in that place then there has to be right fit there so I think you know we've certainly seen that that we need candidates to be really open about what they're wanting and needing and equally we know what the employers need so we know there's right fit particularly from a mum point of view Um, so all of that really resonates what you're saying and um, sort of we've seen as a profile so I like where you talked about you know content and obviously putting yourself out there and that obviously then brings you up on your LinkedIn profile and and sort of resonates is there anything else that you'd recommend from a LinkedIn profile point of view that somebody could do as opposed to just comment and blog is there anything else that you've seen that you think is really good I, I like the 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 um, point you say there about commenting that that is a massively overlooked part. I don't think people engage enough with content. Um, I think people people think that they have to recreate stuff or you know be be um, posting their own statuses and things every day. But if you don't have the confidence to do that, just engaging with with posts and and putting some meaningful con- comments on there, not just. Um, you know, like you see some really dodgy stuff that that it looks like people are like bots have written it, and and yeah, just just being human and and, and engaging and asking questions like that's one way of building a, a brand that people don't even think about, and they just think they have to create their own content. Um, I, I, where I've seen success is is where again people are honest and say, look, I I don't have much experience, but this is what I've done in my own time. And and there was a lady um, in in Melbourne, Pooja. Um, and I spoke to her about she she didn't have much experience, but 
um, I said, well, what, in your own time, build something in a developer org and then and and document it, like create this journey and story around how you're learning and developing your skills. Um, so she went away. And, and I say that to everyone, like I, anyone that's looking to make a break in the ecosystem, I'll always give that 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 advice to. But but it's I would say, you know, maybe one in 10 people actually go and do it and then then show me what they've done. And there's a few people that have. But Pooja's the standout one because she created this. Um, I think it was a home um like a, a sales uh, like a real estate company and um, she created this in an org and then she mapped out the whole journey and all the automation she'd built in this org and she wrote it in a medium blog and she posted it on linkedin and tagged me and said like thanks for the advice oh, awesome. and um and then she got hired like she got hired off of the back of that that um piece of content that she wrote and it was yeah it's amazing and she was hired uh, by a um, a salesforce partner in melbourne they saw that that the work that she'd done mm. and it just shows that you're enthusiastic and you can think outside the box and you truly have a passion for for doing the work that you say that you want to do so yeah, again you, you said not comments and not just posting and I've, I've given you comments and posting but i think they're two really really important ways to, to build a personal brand and then other than that like don't just post when you get a certification or don't just post um the good news post the, the 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 not so good news as well um i filed a salesforce uh, app builder certification last week or two weeks ago and i posted about that and and people connect with that because other people have filed certifications right so mm. and there there's always going to be something that you struggle with on your journey it's never plain sailing um and if if one part of that is failing certifications or just getting stuck with a super badge ask questions like put a post up and ask questions and and engage and ask people how how they've solved it and things like that um because these are all things that are adding to your personal brand and other people are viewing it and seeing who you are and, and what you're about and then just always be authentic just just be true to yourself and be be authentically you because as soon as you start trying to be someone else and, and posting things that aren't natural to you then you know that that that's a mask that will eventually slip so i think it's really important to to use your own tone and and say things that you want to say because otherwise it's um yeah, it's not a long-term solution. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, and it's great that Trailhead connect with LinkedIn now, can't you? So making sure all your certs are on there and your badges, and people can see that. And I think you're right. You know, sort of being open and asking questions. Um, it goes back to you know, you're never going to know everything. So what employers want to know is how you would find out. What would you? How would you ask? What community are you asking for advice or expertise? Because you know the reality is we're not going to know everything in the Salesforce job these days. Yeah, hundred percent on that um and i also advocate on that consultancy course i get my trainees to build out demo orgs too ben because i think you you know what is fascinating is that i've interviewed a lot of candidates who are experienced but actually they can't show me their skill set or what they've done because it's normally in a client org. So if you've built like a whole service cloud solution in a demo org, and you can say, right, well, can you show me your skills on service cloud? Like you just pull out your demo, go through your script, and like you can see everything they've built. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. Awesome. You know, they can do the job. <laughs> so yeah. actually having these demo orgs is, you know, absolutely a brilliant thing to do to sort of really showcase your skills. But that also shouldn't be something that um, that people only show if they're asked. Like I would take a laptop to an interview and and be like, I've, it, especially if it's like an entry level role, and I would show people and I, I would, you know, I, I'd make sure that people have no doubt that I can do that stuff because otherwise you're just saying you can. Yeah. Um, that's why I think it's so powerful in front of the right person. It's a really powerful um, 
way of, of presenting yourself. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about prepping for, for these jobs. So let's talk about CV and interview tips. Again, so you found a candidate, you think they would stand out for this job opportunity. How, how do you help them prep their CV or prep for the interview? What are your top tips for them? So um, CVs are, are either, I find they're either really good or really bad, and there's kind of no in the middle. So what I really dislike about CVs, and, and this um, this is what I also really dislike about job descriptions, when a job description is, it's it's not a job advert, right? So a job advert and a job description are different, and advert needs to sell the role more. But a description is just a list of tasks and responsibilities. Mm. Uh, and that's what a lot of people write their CV as as well. They they kind of mimic a job description and it's like, um, you know, built Lightning Web Components, um, uh, worked in the IT team. Um, and then they'll just list like um, wrote test classes, CICD. Like it's just, it, it it's so robotic and unenjoyable to read. And I think it's really important that you put yourself in, in the position and the, the seat of the person that's reviewing your CV and actually, look, would they want to read this document? And does it does it immediately tell them what I what I am and what I can do? And does it give them a story and context? Mm. Um, and, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle. It's like, well, how many Lightning Web Components did you build? And why did you build Lightning Web Components? And what did that mean to the business? And what did that solve? Because just writing Lightning Web Components doesn't give any of that context. And, and if it's unless it's being read by another developer, it probably isn't going to like it's not going to answer any of their questions. So yeah, I think that's really important. It's it's about actually listing achievements and not just tasks and responsibilities, and then providing as much business context as you can. Um, so that's always my message to people when they're um, when when I see a CV and um, if it requires some work, that's the the kind of advice and guidance I give. Absolutely, yeah, it's interesting because you know anybody can have a list of lightning components, workflows, reports, and dashboards. It's like yeah, but it's the stories behind that. You know, well, what did it help the client achieve? What was the problem? Completely echo all of that no that's great great advice and what about interviews then so depending on if it's there's so many right because if it's over video it's about being having um you know the the space um tidy and neat and, and no background noise um if it's face to face it's about making sure you get there with 50, especially in australia because it gets real hot so you don't want to be rushing <laughs> you don't want to be rushing with five minutes to spare and, uh, and and running straight into the interview sweating but I think the, the the main thing I would always say with interviews is always about being honest because if you're not honest, you'll you'll get found out. And and quite often I find that companies are a lot more accepting when someone's honest and say they haven't done something um, than blagging and saying they have and, and getting it wrong. Because quite often a company are willing to give you a chance if you're honest and you say how this is how I would solve that problem or this is how I'd find out how to solve that problem, rather than saying this is how I've solved that problem before. And it be the completely wrong way of, of doing something. So yeah, the fee. Whenever I get bad feedback from from a customer, it's because someone said they've done something that they haven't. And then the other big thing is always make sure you ask good questions and and actually think them through beforehand. Because so many people get to the end of an interview and and say, "Oh, I haven't got anything else to ask," or "I think you've answered all my questions." But it kind of shows a lack of interest and a lack of uh, forward thinking and and. Yeah, I, I think if I was a manager and someone didn't ask questions, it would it would make it seem as though the person wasn't interested in the role or or hadn't really planned for the interview. And uh, and I I do think there's a decent level of planning that needs to go ahead of any interview. Um, so you know, making sure you're truly familiar with what the company does, not just thinking, 
oh, they're a bank, but actually, you know, what, what do they do as a bank and what are the new, what are the new business units that they've launched and, and what are their, how's their share price going? Is the, is the business in a, a, you know, a good place or a bad place and things like that, because you might get questions that come up that, that wouldn't be what, what's our share price right now, but it might be around, you know, what, what challenges do you see the, 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 the this business unit facing um, from a, you know, working with the sales guys and it's because the sales guys are massively stressed because, they're underperforming and things like that. So I think you just need to have a, a decent understanding of where the business is at. Yeah, I love I love that. And I think yeah, it's about almost putting like your Salesforce consultant hat on because I think Salesforce, a Salesforce team, if we look at a big picture, they are being hired to transform a business with technology. And the reason you invest in technology is because you either want it to help increase turnover, reduce costs, improve efficiency. You know, like you say, it's like really drumming down on those pain points. You know, what are your real challenges right now? And how can technology really help you solve them? What are your priorities for technology? What investment are you putting into this? You know, how big is your Salesforce team? Like all of those questions is I feel should be on a candidate list because that's what a candidate should be asking is sort of saying, just finding out exactly how much they're investing in technology because where it can come a cropper or might be a bit of a warning bell. And we'll talk about what makes an employer stand out in a moment. But, you know, if an employer basically is not investing in Salesforce and hasn't got, you know, the right team mix and that could be a bit of a concern for a candidate because they might go in there and then be sort of, struggling to kind of move things along there might be no exec sponsor you know they might just sort of be stuck in terms of what they're aiming to achieve so I think Ben what you said about finding out what their pain points are and the challenges there's the sort of questions that we need to be asking have you got any other questions that you you kind of advise candidates to ask I always say, um, especially in the final interview, or sometimes the first, depending on uh, you know how quickly the client has committed to moving, um, mm-hmm. my, I always say to a candidate, make sure you have every bit of information you need when you leave that interview to be able to make an informed decision. Because it's so often that someone will say to me, oh, I didn't ask this, can you find that out? And, and it's often a really good question. It might be, the business's appetite to to continue investing in Salesforce or, you know, over the next 12 months, what's the roadmap from a Salesforce perspective? And what role will I play in that? Like, what a great question, right? And mm-hmm. and so many people will come out of an interview and they'll ask me that question. And I'm like, what, why didn't you ask the client? Like, that's a great question. It shows that you're, you know, you're intrigued, you ask good questions and you, you're thinking big picture. But yeah, things like that, you know, what, what would you expect me to have achieved in the next 12 months? Or what are the biggest challenges you think I'll face uh, in order to deliver on your expectations? Like things like that, which actually gets the, the client thinking mm-hmm. and not just um, like not questions like how many days a week can I work from home? And, and that's an important question, right? Because, but it's not the question that you end the interview on. It's something that you you, you probably discuss up front or it's something that, that is is important because flexibility is important, but it's not the question you leave the the interview on, um, because I think you need to to really make that that hiring manager think and and show that you ask you know meaningful deep questions that that get them thinking. Yeah, and you want to you want to leave with a really positive impact, right? Because you know, like you say, it's not like oh, can I work three days a week? Because that might leave like a bit of a you know not that like I say not the right impression at the end, but. Going, having that sort of final question say right I understand what your roadmap is I understand what you're needing this is what I feel I can bring to the table xyz and to sell yourself into that role as the very final piece right that's what you want to be doing <laughs> or or equally saying 
actually, I've listened to everything you've said, and I don't think I'm the right fit. Like equally being honest that you're not the right fit too, I think is is good. <laughs> yeah, like definitely, if you don't want the role, I think like there's no harm in in being honest and upfront and saying like I just don't think this is right for me. But if something like this comes up in the team, then then but there, there is no point in getting offers for jobs you're not going to accept. And I understand like people think, yeah, it's great to have multiple offers, but you're always letting someone down. And if you get to that point, so I, again, like it comes back to my point earlier about honesty and transparency. And, and if you're being honest with the recruiter around what you want and what's really important to you, then the recruiter should have no issues at the end of the interview. If you turn around and say, this isn't the role I want, because it obviously hasn't aligned to what you've told them in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. If we talk about employers for a moment, like I, I was fascinated by the little um, nugget that you mentioned, like a job advert is different to a job description, like a job advert sells the job or sells the company. Like what makes an employer stand out? Uh, and obviously it sounds like it starts with a job ad to, to some degree, but what would, what would you, you know, what's a great job ad and how have employers stood out to other candidates that's made a candidate, you know, if they've got three job offers what are they looking at? What are candidates looking at and comparing different employers by? It's uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because I, I said earlier we don't advertise jobs. Like we don't advertise jobs on job boards, but we 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 craft job adverts and we we engage with our audience with a job advert through our email marketing platform and and like we will direct people to our website where there'll be job ads. Um, but yeah, job a job advert is something that is it's an advert, right? It's to attract people, and a job description is an internal HR document that that lists the expectations of that person in a role. And and this is where so many companies fall short because they use a job description as their job advert, and and it's so boring to read, and there's no engagement. Like you're you're not you're not excited by that job advert. It's just telling you what you're going to do every single day, um, or what you have to have done before. So yeah, and and like. This is, um, I, I see it again and again from recruiters just bullet pointing. I'm looking for a Salesforce developer. You need three years Salesforce experience and you need Lightning Web Component experience. Like That's not a job advert. That's just a list of requirements. Mm. So yeah, for me, they're, they're two really different things. But I, and, and I do see some companies really nailing it and they understand like what makes them attractive. And I think the big things in the Salesforce world, like obviously now more than ever is flexibility and, and being able to kind of, you know, work when and as you you best kind of operate. Um, and I think we're seeing more and more of that um, with companies understanding that a developer doesn't have to be in the office five days a week or, you know, a developer can can be in Brisbane and 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 the roles in Melbourne or Manchester and London and, and, and things like that. But really what, what people want is to to have exciting work, like to, to, to learn new things. So if someone's just worked on sales cloud for five years, the opportunity to work with service cloud, marketing cloud, and communities is, is exciting because that that takes them to the next level. And I think that's what people want. They want to learn. They want meaningful work where they can add value, but they can also excel and uh, and and move to the next level in in their careers. So I think that that comes back to companies need to 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 be exciting. They need to be investing, and uh, they need to have a, a a really interesting Salesforce roadmap and an appetite to to transform and 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 do cool things with the platform. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's not about beanbags and fruit in the office these days. It's about um, you know fun, exciting work with flexibility, well paid. Obviously, people people know that they can be paid well um, if they move between companies, and 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 people are always looking for you know it's rare for someone to move for the same money. So um, they they want to be paid well for what they do, but they they genuinely want to work on exciting things. And I think that really is if I get a role with a client, and it's a really exciting piece of work. It's so much easier to fill that role. 
than if it's just a, a you know a bog standard Salesforce org. They haven't really invested it in in a couple of years, and it's keeping the lights on, and um, and and there isn't an appetite to transform anything. And it's, going back to that point where you said people want to learn new technology, but if they have, if they've done only service cloud before, and a role came up that was sales cloud and marketing cloud, how would somebody position themselves for that? Are we going back to them building the demo orgs and getting the certs in advance? Like, you know, that's an interesting quandary, isn't it, for an employer to go, well, I'm going to take somebody on who hasn't done any of this before, <laughs> but the candidate wants yeah. a chance to do it all. So how do you overcome that sort of? If I'm in the recruiter's shoes in that situation, I'm I'm educating the client on the fact that if they don't hire someone that's going to learn, they're going to leave. Mm. Like if you hire someone for only because of things they've done before, then what's the point in them coming to the company? Because what are they going to learn? Like if, if they're only going to work on things they've already worked on, where's the excitement there? Um, so that's an education piece for the client as well. But I think like people have certifications for things they've never worked on before. Like people have community certifications and they might not have worked with communities. And I think there's no harm in doing that because it it does give you a kind of leg up if you are applying for a role with a, with a cloud you haven't worked with before. But there's also Trailhead. You know, there's so many ways now of learning these new things that, that you might not have worked with before in a production org, but you can learn in your own time and and yeah it's just about showing where you've picked things up before right so if you if you haven't worked with communities but this role requires communities well you hadn't worked with sales cloud in it before you have in this role so how did you learn that mm-hmm. how did you pick that up and and what would you do to to upskill in in communities and and i I'm, i would i would say to a client that if they had any concerns and i i didn't if i if it was a community's role and i didn't have any community experience i'd commit that you know, within the four weeks between me resigning and me starting, I'm going to get community certified. Like I'll give you that commitment that I'll do that. Um, and, and, you know, that that should go some way as well to, to appeasing any concerns they have. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I think that's it. It's all really, really interesting topics that we're discussing because, yeah, I think people and people will feel like they can't go for a role if they don't have that relevant experience. You know, I can't go for this role because I've not done Service Cloud before. But actually, you know, everything you've just said is a company, there isn't enough people out there. There isn't, you're right, a candidate probably if they've done something before, yes, they might do it if they're creating a niche for themselves, maybe, but then also they might be equally bored of that sort of stuff. So I think it's never, never say never, right? Put yourself in that shoes where if you want to learn something and you say you kind of invest the time um, and show the dedication to a potential employer. You know, I have a lot of people come into me at Economic Change who they haven't worked with nonprofits before, they haven't done anything with nonprofit cloud before. But the two hires that we're just taking on now, actually, before we've hired them, they've been busy studying. They can hit the ground running because they want to come in and know what they're doing in the job. (laughs) They know they're going to be using that. So that's a perfect example of they have worked in nonprofit space before, but not, you know, not necessarily always with the, but there's so many different products now. There's a whole array of products that .org have brought out which everybody's getting up to speed with, quite frankly. So I can't expect everybody to have all of that on their CV and to know it. And so I think it's just being okay with that, isn't it? And kind of both sides of the fence understanding that there has to be time to skill up and, um, you know, there has to be that time shared between both candidate and employer. 100%. Yeah. And um, on your point around, um, like, not meeting every requirement on a job description, um, like so many times in the past, I've had I've had a client come to me and say, look, we've, we've had an advert up. We've not been able to fill it. Can you help? Mm. And then I'll reach out to a candidate that I think is great for the role. And the candidate will say, oh, I saw that role, but I didn't apply because I didn't meet all of the requirements. And mm. I'll, 
and I'll, I'll place them in the role, right? So it's great for me. I make a fee from it, but that person hasn't applied because they didn't meet 100% of the requirements. And the reality is you never meet 100% of requirements. Mm. Um, no one ever is perfect for every single role. They'll offer doesn't tick every single uh, box on a, a, an advert. So I think it's it's being realistic and also um, not applying for every job because you know you're not going to get every role but if you if you genuinely feel you can meet a, a decent amount of the expectations and the requirements for a job like what's the harm in applying you've, you've got nothing to lose yeah yeah brilliant oh it's been such a great conversation thanks ben lots of great tips in there i think for the listeners today so if any of you want to connect with ben you can find him on linkedin but also you can check out his podcast as well and follow him on his podcast which is um talent hub talk and if you like the session today please do rate and review us on itunes and you can visit uh supermums website at supermums.org if you want to find out more about supermums and ben do you want to just share your website if they want to come check you out yeah, so it's um, talent-hub.com.au. Um, I hope I've got that right. I'm pretty sure I have. I, it's crazy if I haven't. But yeah, talent-hub.com.au. Awesome. It's one of those things that you perhaps don't need to know every day. But. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank Perfect. you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Ben. No, it's been great to have you here. And um, good luck to all of you that are job hunting. And best of luck taking all those tips on board. Hopefully you get your next new job. Take care. Speak to you soon. Bye. Mums on Cloud9 is kindly sponsored by RB in partnership with Emfer.